Hello to all pioneers, visionaries, and innovators. My name is Janice King. I'm happy you're tuning in to our third episode of the Passioners Podcast, a podcast that tells stories of passionate people who inspire us, and hopefully you as well. If you have any companies or entrepreneurs that you would like us to reach out to, send us an email at passionerspodcast at gmail.com. We actually respond. And please follow and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Your support encourages five college students with passion. Today's episode is about Abby Fallick, a founder and CEO of Global Citizen Year, or short GCY, a nonprofit organization for graduating high school seniors to participate in an immersion-based international bridge year before embarking on their college journeys. GCY fellows go to countries like Ecuador, India, and Brazil, and work in local apprenticeships and live with host families. Mrs. Fallick, so great to have you on our podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So let's start from the beginning, when you were a student. What kind of student were you? Did you always have this entrepreneurial mindset? I have always had this entrepreneurial mindset, and I think of it almost more like a hard wiring. It's like in my DNA more than it is a a mindset. Um, I've always, from a very young age, been someone who scans for what is missing or needed and could exist and doesn't, and then I can't help myself, but I try to gather people and resources to make new things happen. And I was doing that in childhood and in high school and continue to do that now. Um, And as a student, I would say that I was a very diligent student. I was kind of good good at checking the boxes. I got good rate, good grades, I colored in the lines, I sort of did the things I knew were expected of me in order to get into college. And I think it wasn't until college that I felt like I was actually able to be entrepreneurial with my education, which was really a revelation, but that the best education didn't come from sitting in a classroom and passively listening to what somebody thought I needed to hear, but instead um, by posing my own questions and then setting out to answer the questions in often contexts that had nothing to do with the classroom. Before college, did you have the opportunities to travel, to experience and learn things beyond the classroom environment? I was very fortunate to have opportunities to travel when I was young with my parents. And during high school, spent a summer living with a family in Nicaragua that was very, very formative for me. Um, And then during college, largely because I wasn't able to find something like Global Citizen Year, which um, I wish had existed when I I finished high school. Because it didn't exist, I just followed the herd. There was so much inertia to just go straight to college that I did. Um, In a lot of ways, I think I just didn't have the courage to step off that track. And after two years in school, two more years in school, I felt burnt out and frustrated by the limits of learning in a classroom context and so I took off and I um, uh, it was called stopping out of school so I didn't actually say when I'd be back but I said I needed some time to learn other things in the world and I moved to Brazil and then spent more time in Nicaragua as well. So you took off without specifying when you'd be back, and you did this not through a university-approved study abroad program. Even nowadays, it is preferred to finish college in four years, even though there's more acceptance of this idea of taking a gap year. How was your decision perceived by others at that time? 
Was it was it conventional? <laughs> no, it wasn't. And I'm much older this than than you are. So this was happening a while ago. But yeah, it was totally unconventional. But it was it was you know quite common that people would do some kind of study abroad. I was just doing it really differently because I wasn't studying and I wasn't with a, a group of other American students. And yeah, so I spent the the fall in Brazil and then the the spring in Nicaragua and then came back to college and. I also realize now that there was another instinct cooking, which was when I came back, I petitioned for all of my experiential learning to count for credits so that I stayed on track. I actually didn't lose the year of educational momentum. And I think that was an important part of the sort of genesis of Global Citizen Year also, which was to say there are things that we can learn that are as valuable, if not more, than what we learn in a lecture hall or a traditional seminar. And so part of the path we're on at Global Citizen Year is how do we hold experiential learning and learning about ourselves in the world on the same level, if not higher, than the traditional things that we give credits and degrees for. After coming back from Nicaragua, Mrs. Falig finished her last year of university. In 2001, she graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in International Development from Stanford University and went on to get a Master's of Education in International and Comparative Education. In 2006, when she started Harvard Business School, she was able to form a more specific business plan on what the organization could look like. But before you started to figure out the details of the organization, when did you realize that your idea could be more than just an idea? And what was the process like to pitch this idea to other people, such as donors and investors? Oh, it's such a great question. And I, I think of entrepreneurship not as something that happens like in an epiphany or flash of insight. But for me, it was really a very slow and gradual process. So the first experience was being rejected by the Peace Corps when I was 18 and feeling like, well, there should be some other opportunity in this transition. And there wasn't. There was then the experience I had of taking time off from college and recognizing, wow, there's so much to learn from experience in the world. So those were the early experiences that started to point me in the direction of Global Citizen Year. And but then when I, I graduated from college and I did a master's program that was essentially you know, where my thesis was a blueprint for what became Global Citizen Year. It took me another 10 years before I felt ready to launch the organization. And it was a combination of feeling like there was a lot I needed to learn about myself and how to build and run a business. And there was also things that the world needed to sort of come to on its own. Um, I think by the time we actually launched the organization in 2010, there was much more of an awareness um, that more and more diverse young people needed experiences of themselves out in the world um, and that there was a, um, a, a way that technology made this easier than it would have been 10 years before as well. So there were lots of things that I learned along the way that made it made me really ready when I then said I was finishing business school at the time and I took the leap and said, now, now it's time. There's no looking back. I really need to, to focus on this thing that's been cooking for so long. Um, I knew so much about the problem I was trying to solve and the model I was envisioning that in some sense, I, I, all of the rejections and 
discouragement that comes with starting something new, and there was so much of it for months and months and months, it kind of um, didn't totally knock me down because I knew I'd been working on this for so long that I felt like I was onto something. And that's really what gave me the, the confidence and uh, resilience to keep going. Were other people as enthusiastic as you were or were they doubtful? What were their reactions? I probably asked 100 people for money before I got a yes. And it took me a while to realize that there was a gift in getting all of those no's because it was fuel and motivation, but it was also because people were giving me important information about parts of the business plan that didn't yet make sense or things that I still needed to think through before they'd be ready to make a commitment. Um, and so it, uh, again, I was dreaming about this for so long, it's hard to know exactly where the starting point was. But once the first person wrote a check over lunch, and it was that check that I walked to the bank to cash to open a bank account, I became quickly aware that, well, very few people have the confidence to be first in on a new idea. There are a lot of people then waiting to be next and next and next in line. And so it's often really about just persisting until you get that, that first early commitment or yes, that then opens the door to other people wanting to say, me too, me too, that's a, that's a great idea. I just wasn't ready to be the first person. That reminds me of a book I read several years ago called Zero to One by Peter Thiel and Blake Masters. The book discusses that startups are successful when they are the initiators of technology or an idea. It is difficult to go from zero to one, but much easier to go from one to a hundred, one thousand, a million, because after an idea is initiated, many people follow suit. Exactly, yeah. So after you received the first check, how did you start building the organization? So there were always other people around. While I was in business school, there was a team that helped me write the business plan. Um, uh, I met my, my husband while I was in business school, so he's been part of the team from the beginning as well. And then, yeah, as quickly as I had money to pay someone a month's worth of salary, I was hiring somebody. I just felt like I didn't know necessarily how I was going to pay other people over the long run, but I did know that very soon I was the constraint on getting anything done, both because there was there's more to do in a startup than one person could ever do, but more importantly, there were so many things we needed to do that I was really bad at and didn't know how to do both. And so the advice I got, which was very, very helpful, was that my job as the entrepreneur was to figure out what parts of building the business were most energizing to me and what parts were depleting the things that took my energy. And my job was to build a job description for myself that focused on the things that were energizing and then to build out job descriptions for other people that focused on the things that that weren't in my sweet spot of giving me energy and to find people who got energy from those other and complementary things. So those were the first the first couple of hires I was able to make. GCY was founded in 2010. And this year, GCY is celebrating its 10-year anniversary. How did the direction of the organization change? And how did it develop and mature over the past 10 years? Oh, so much has changed. I would say that the sort of foundational kernel, the, the idea that young people benefit from a deep global immersion 
between high school and college or childhood and young adulthood, that that can change everything about your worldview, your sense of self, your confidence, your resilience, your empathy, uh, your agency, all of these things you can't teach in a classroom. That's all been totally constant. It's also been really consistent that we've been committed to making sure that this experience is accessible to kids from across the full financial spectrum. And so from the beginning, we were giving generous scholarships and financial aid. And one of the things I'm most proud of is that we've uh, given out over $30 million in financial aid from the beginning. 80% of our fellows have received some level of, of need-based aid in order to join us, which is really unlike any other kind of travel or gap year opportunity that exists. So all of those things have been constant. I would say the, the details of the curriculum and the functioning of the operation have just been refined each year, each year, each year, as we learn more from prior years, as we grew the team and grew the cohort. Um, and yeah, 2020 is our 10-year is our mark. We have 1,000 alums from the fellowship and also the very unexpected um, challenge of COVID and a, a global pandemic, which has made it irresponsible to send young people to other countries around the world until things settle out. But it's also opened up a whole new opportunity for us, which has become Global Citizen Academy, which we've launched in the last couple of months. Could you describe more in depth about the new initiative Global Citizen Academy and what GCY hopes to achieve through this program? So in April, we made the decision that it was painful and hard to decide not to run our fellowship again in the fall of 2020, but we knew it was the clear and right choice. And what it meant was that we were able to turn all of our team's talent and attention toward solving an emerging need, which was the class of 2020, the high school class of 2020, having their plans about going to college totally, totally disrupted. So we recognized that we had something really unique to offer this cohort of young people worldwide, which was a new and different way to spend this year, that this didn't need to be a quote unquote gap year or getting off track, but this could be a year on purpose and that we could help students make it count. So we've put together a um, an intensive leadership course that happens to be distributed virtually, but that will give young people from more than 35 countries an opportunity to connect with each other, to take a couple of accredited courses on global systems and leadership as a practice, to interact with some of the leading influences influencers of our time. We've put together a speaker series that includes Melinda Gates, DeRay McKesson, Varshini Prakash, Ariana Huffington, um, and two dozen others who have agreed to come on and inspire the next generation of global change makers. Um, so it's really just an extraordinary opportunity to learn a whole set of things that you can't learn in a classroom. And if there were ever a moment to question uh, sort of this, this speedy transition uh, into straight into college, this just feels like the moment to, to call young people to see that college can wait. Uh, there's a new and better path. The application for the spring semester of Global Citizen Academy just opened. If you're an interested student between the ages of 17 to 21, apply by January 15. There are a lot of people who support GCY, but I'm sure you face criticism as well. 
The biggest negative that I hear about a gap year program between high school and college years is that recently graduated high school students don't have the expertise or technical training to contribute to the local community in a meaningful way. How do you respond to this criticism? Well, I would start by saying it's not a volunteer placement or program. And very much unlike the Peace Corps, the purpose of what we do is to not is not to send young people to foreign communities that are not their own to get things done or to shake things up. The orientation for us and the language we use in the training is about an apprenticeship where our fellows, we call them fellows, live with a family and work as an apprentice, as a learner primarily in a local context. And you stay longer and you go deeper than most traveler volunteering programs. And you develop a deeper and much more nuanced perspective on what the role of an outsider is in coming into a new community. And that's not to say there aren't really meaningful things that a young person can do in inspiring your host siblings to stay in school or to chase down a scholarship or to you know dream of traveling someday or to be an assistant teacher and, and help young people learn a little bit of English. So those are valuable contributions, but that's not the goal. The goal is for our fellows to have an experience that humbles them, reorients them around who they are and who they're becoming and becomes the foundation for the rest of their lifetime of leadership. How does GCY distinguish itself from other gap year organizations? Well, we start by not thinking of it as a gap year. In a lot of ways, we're, you know, we are an unorthodox alternative to the gap year. Um, we're accessible to kids from all backgrounds because of um, our, our commitment to financial aid. We raise a lot of money for scholarships. We're set up as a not-for-profit, so that also means that we can be really focused on impact as our bottom line, not profits and money. Um, our selective admissions process means that not everybody just signs up and gets in, but we're actually looking for a very particular type of young person who's got exceptional leadership potential. And the training is focused on leadership through deep immersion and partnership with local communities. Um, so all of those components, I think, really set us apart from anything that's out there. You are a hardworking student, so you can probably relate to the sentiment of many young people who have this ambition, drive, and enthusiasm, but don't quite know what to do with them. What would you tell us? My advice would be to know what question you're carrying at any given time. And there might be two. There might be one question that's about yourself and one question that's about the world. But I think the thing that you said a hardworking and determined student, which I was, but really only when I was interested in what I was learning. And so after high school, I had no patience for sitting in classrooms that didn't feel relevant somehow to my broader interests and aligned with my values or helping me answer the questions I had about myself in the world. And so I think the most powerful thing you can do is know what you care about and know what you're trying to learn at every step along the way because a good student can learn from any teacher you can learn from a bad professor you can learn from a terrible first job it actually the context doesn't matter what matters most is that you know what you're trying to learn and that you're taking something constructive from every experience closing out what do you wish you knew or had done when you were in your 20s I wish I'd had more 
more patience with myself and more kindness toward myself. I think as somebody who's always been driven and ambitious, um, sort of a flip side of that, which can be getting caught in a cycle of whether it's FOMO, though we didn't even have the word for it then, or comparing myself to other people might be what we would have called it, or feeling like I was I doing enough and in the right ways. There's a lot of second guessing. Um, and just sort of a deeper, um, unsettledness or insecurity and I, I wish I sometimes think about actually just like being compassionate to my younger self um, in in ways that I hope to be for you know young young people now who may be carrying questions that feel um, scary and huge um, but that you know the, the dots will all connect. Mrs. Falik, thank you for sharing your story. Oh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do this. Um, And stay in touch with all of us. There'll be lots of opportunities for you to stay connected to what we're doing and would love to keep you involved. So, all right. Thank you. Bye-bye. I took a gap year after high school through Global Citizen Year. I volunteered at an indigenous Quechua radio and magazine organization and lived with a Quechua host family. It has been the most transformative and reflective experience in my life. I learned the importance of slowing down and looking around instead of fixated on a certain life path. I'm grateful to GCY and UNC Global Gap Year Fellowship that allowed me to embark on this adventure. To learn more about Mrs. Falik and other passioners we will interview in this podcast and to see behind the scenes of how we create each of our episodes, Follow our Instagram at Passioners Podcast. Big thank you to Mrs. Falik for coming to our show today. This episode is edited and produced by Janice King. Mike Garcia, Fernando Garcia, and I are co-hosts of the podcast. Claire Hems is in charge of our Instagram page. Lana Hatsiomanovic draws all of her arts. We use original music by Chiazo Ajila. Go check out our work at our website, chiazo.github.io. Other music we have used are listed on our website at passionerspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next episode by Fernando about a nonprofit organization called The Monty that invites people from the community to tell personal stories without the use of notes. Their mission is to create community through the tellings of stories. Passioners Podcast tells the stories of entrepreneurs and their journeys. My name is Janice King. Thanks for listening.